the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Your chance to get in. Be part of the People Show. 604-280-0650 with some open boards. If you want to react to Patrick Alvine, everything he had to say today. Uh, and also 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Fun chat there with Kelly McCrimmon. Vegas Golden Knights GM. If you missed it, you can grab it on the podcast as well. The People's Show on your local podcatcher. Uh, subscribe. Five-star reviews only. You can write whatever you want, but smash that five stars. And good for Kelly. Obviously, a guy that's been around for how many years in, in the game? Like, going back to oh, the yeah. early 80s. You can tell he's focusing on the draft, but, man, I'm telling you, I was there for, what, game two of the Stanley Cup final? They were partying pretty hard, and mm-hmm. the Cup final wasn't even, like, yeah. it was game two. I think the parties are still going on in Vegas. Legitimately. Uh, 650-650. You almost said Vancouver Canucks Stanley Cup winning general manager, did I? You said your Vegas Golden Knights, which I was like, Ugh. Oh. Yeah, you said you, I'm like, how many Vegas Vegas Golden Knights fans are? I don't are, know. Oh, like maybe Golden one Knights? or two. Look, if if one of my favorite teams won a championship, I'm checking out every interview. So I, I'm catering to the Vegas Golden Knights But fans. you're not yeah. wrong. Like yeah. Shea Theodore's family, I imagine. Yeah. Maybe those things. There's other BC boys on that team. So there's there's going to be a couple of your Vegas Golden Knights fan base. <laughs> Some reaction coming in. Uh, you can tell he didn't like the question about uh, being over the cap. Yeah. I, I wanted to hear the GM's thoughts on it on the record. Sure. Of the okay. rules are the rules. The same questions were posed to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. And I think one thing, he was honest. He's like, hey, if you want to call it lucky that our captain had a back injury, and a back injury that... He might not ne- ever recover from. Uh, the the right? phrase I always love of back injuries is no one ever, ever gets over a back injury. Exactly. So, did it work in their favor? Yes. But, like, Mark Stone's not going to be a better player for it long term, right? You prefer not to have surgery. For sure. That's, like, surgery is always a, a last resort. This is very different. In my opinion, yes, you use the cap to your advantage, like Tampa Bay, but the Kucherov versus Stone injury, they're different injuries. Let's let's make that clear. Uh, Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you uh, to Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights for uh, giving us some time here today. So, Patrick Alvine, uh, a lot of thoughts uh, coming in. We'll read a couple of texts here. This one, Alvine, lots of talk, but not very much to move the needle. Talk is cheap. His manager has often said one thing and done the opposite. More chat on possible retention would have been nice. Uh, No info on defense or depth. And why was OEL bought out? Uh, in the first hour, instead of investigating a possible trade with retention or OEL, uh, he got let off the hook on that. Pretty much the same as Benning's pressers. Um, the retention on OEL would have been astronomical. Yeah. And, and I still don't know if you would have created, like, even if you retained half. But we're still talking about multiple first-round picks. Like, the going rate is $6 million a first-round pick. So you would have been able to chop that down to fifteen. You're still talking about multiple first-round picks. It's, it's not a viable strategy even then. Totally. And on top of that, the point about why not explore a trade, maybe they did. Mm-hmm. Trades were made during the Cup Final. Remember, non-playoff teams or non-teams you know, teams in the playoff or in the Stanley Cup Final were making trades. Maybe those discussions had already happened and that was going nowhere. It, guys, who is taking up that salary? Yeah. Especially teams on the left-hand side that are looking for help, like the Rangers, like the Florida Panthers, you can get the player on minimum. Why would you? Why would you even consider that contract? 
Uh, this one, how much, uh, Leaf Hater Steve, how much of what Alvin said was what he really meant? And how much was a politician ramble? Because I can't tell anymore. And it goes to the last texter's point. Some of the things they've said publicly and some of the things they've done actually contradict. And that's why I've always said, follow the actions. Yep. They can play the game when they are in front of a mic. I've used the term. GMs and coaches lie. All the time. Yep. We like to take them at face value because we like to believe that they're telling us the truth all the time. They're playing the game. And we sit here and we play the game too and we come up with uh, reports and that's part of the game. But they don't have to do what they say in the media. No. And to borrow a line from Elliot Friedman, what did Isaiah uh, Thomas tell him? Yeah. Everybody lies at the draft. Yeah. Everybody lies at the draft or near the draft because you're trying to posture. You're trying to say, hey, I've got a lot of calls. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But the idea is you want to put it forward that I have no intention of buying out OEL. And then what happens a month later, a month and a half later, you buy out OEL because you're trying to at least set a market. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. And if we go back in Canucks history, what was one of the things that was a criticism of Jim Benning? Sometimes he told you exactly what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember having conversations on this station of, Steve Eiserman type of GM, a guy that says nothing and something at the same time. That was the want in this market. You got something like that with Patrick Alvin, who's giving you nothing, right? So you can't have it both ways. And the reason I think a, a lot of people, the main primary takeaway, we mentioned the injuries and we'll get some of that in just a bit with Ian McIntyre in about 30 minutes. Uh, this one, why is the team looking to move up in the draft? This team's a lost cause. And to Leafiator Steve's point, it's how much do you actually take away and... Was it some rambling? So the the potential of moving up, he mentioned that on several different occasions. And again, I, I mentioned, said it with a bit of a smirk as well. Uh, now that the scouting staff is excited about 11, but they're not going to do a trade-up for the sake of a trade-up. They're getting lots of calls. Actually, let's hear it from Patrick Alvin just talking about uh, draft strategy. Calls uh, regarding pick number 11, and, and I'm looking at uh, options if we're going to trade up. Uh, if, if, that's, if that's something we, we have a chance to do, uh, to get a player that their scouting staff has identified to be uh, uh, a more intriguing player than the one we're going to get at 11. So, I think there's a couple of ways to read into that. One... There must be a player Patrick Alvin does really like. That he would explore the idea, right? Do you want to make the decision? I, I say don't trade up, but there must be a player. Like, you still have to do your due diligence on the idea of, hey, there's this player that we think is really special. And what if there's a chance he slides down? You have to be prepared for that type of conversation. Now, that player better be spectacular. Because the thing, and the reason I don't necessarily buy the idea of trading up, what are they moving to trade up with? That's the thing. Like, hey, look, I want to live in West Van. My salary doesn't dictate that I can live in West Van. I, I can have my dream, but I can't really pull it off. By the way, I love Coquilla. I'm not actually leaving Coquilla to move in, I don't in know. West you just said it on radio. But, I think that's a fact now. But, like, you can have your dream. Can you actually pull it off? So what assets do the Canucks have to actually want to move up? Okay, let's go through that. A first-rounder for this year, which would have to be a part yes. of the deal. No second-rounder this year or next year. Yes. You've got a couple of third rounders, but are you going to move up with third rounders? Probably not. Who's saying yes to third rounders? Or if you're really trying to move up into an impact position, are you willing to give up two first rounders to move up in this draft? We're talking about a top, what, four pick? Again, you can do that. 
that's really irresponsible. And it's not even we're giving up premium assets to go get a star player that's going to help us right now. We're going to burn future for future? Yes. That, to me, is a... Again, I don't necessarily buy it. Sure. But it's a stunning outcome. And if that was the outcome, you would be dealing your first rounder and next year. You wouldn't have any picks in the top two this year or next year. So, like, I don't see it happening either. I think that would be extreme. I think you have to make that that 11th pick overall, unless there's a player you fall in love with at 8, 9, 10, where maybe you can you can dangle one of those, you know, a collection of picks in third rounds. But what team is going to do that? What team is going to say, hey, we'll take your third rounders to move back in a draft? That that It doesn't work that way. A lot of text coming in right now. It's Mitchkov. It's Mitchkov. He's going to move up for another winger. Now, that's why I said, like, the player better be really special. If you're intending to jump up three, four, five spots to say, this guy is sliding and he shouldn't, let's go get him. Now, I happen to believe Mitchkov, you can make an argument, is the second most talented player in the draft. I have him four, but I can understand the argument that this guy is that good. Sure. But now we're talking about giving up futures to get someone who's not going to be ready in three years. That's kind of a scary proposition for me. If if we are entertaining the idea, and, and then the, everyone's texting in right now, you got to get to seven ahead of Washington to do jump Mitchkov. Yeah, I understand like that's the, the spot, but at some point too, like the other team is going to look at it and say, "We can get Mitchkov." It's, it's like you have to buy someone off of it as well. And let me ask you this question: A team like Philadelphia that is actually rebuilding and probably their window is around twenty twenty six to be relevant again, mm-hmm. isn't he the perfect player for that window? So I understand. Philly's the team to deal with, but at the same time, if you've got that competitive window where you're not going to be very good for the next couple of years with Danny Breer being the GM and they're doing a full-on reset and you're probably going to get rid of Hayes, you're probably going to get rid of some other players over time, isn't that the player you want to build a franchise around? I don't, I'm not buying Philly dealing out of that spot. It's, it's, it screams smokescreen to me sure. from Patrick Alvin today. And okay. Look, doing the due diligence of, hey, if there's a player there that we do like, and I'm sure in the heart of hearts, maybe it's Leo Carlson, maybe it's Ryan Leonard, maybe it's Matt Faye Mitchkov, whatever it is. In the heart of hearts, there's a player that, hey, we really like, and maybe he's there at eight, maybe he's there at nine, and, and we think of that. I also wonder, though, if it's a signal, be like, hey, we actually want to move down. Yes. And we're not getting the offers we want. And that's where I think, that's what I'm led to believe, right? When I hear a statement like that, I'm thinking, all right, Let's stir the pot a little bit because I haven't been getting the deals or the offers that I want. And if there's a group of players, maybe there's a group of four or five players that you have kind of lumped together on your draft list. And you're okay with them falling down to maybe that spot that you're looking at the Chicago spot. Maybe you're looking at another team that has two picks like Detroit, for instance, at 17. There's a team that really wants to move up. Are you in a position to stir the pot a little bit to say, I haven't seen what I deem good enough? So I'm just going to put this out there and see how teams respond. And especially on the heels that what we talked about of why do the OEL buyout now? Were you not getting the offers you wanted to get off of Garland to begin with? Does this change the calculation now of how teams are approaching you if you were to try to move down? Because now it's like, hey, if, if we're moving down, we're attaching Connor Garland to this. Does it change how teams approach us now? Because now we're not boxed into a corner. Do we start to entice the idea that we, we need our proper offers to entertain the idea of moving down? And if I just threaten, hey, there's a guy we really like at seven. Yeah. If I if I put that out there into the universe, will that start to 
encourage the the type of offers that they do want to entertain because again as you said he's been notoriously tight-lipped for sure and this was unprovoked in a lot of ways why, right yeah it's, a lot of people are texting it's like this was unprompted too yeah why this one and why today i think there's some really interesting Maybe you my know, x-files music right no here. this is this is like you know this is a chess master of play here i think this is kind of one of those moves if the Canucks can win from this, we'll see what happens. We'll see what Patrick Alvin does. But he's he's definitely trying to work in the shadows here a little bit. Just work putting out, in the shadows. You know, put out some propaganda there a little bit, maybe just to get that message out. I like it. Honestly, I like it. I think it's a way of just getting that that message out there and see what it turns into. It might turn into nothing. They make that pick at eleven, mm-hmm. but at the very least, if you're comfortable, you know, picking in that eleven to let's say eighteen to nineteen range, and you've got players in your draft list, you're, you're kind of setting the table for draft day of, hey, if a couple of players drop and we know we can take them and you want to jump up, I'm willing to listen, but it better be worth my while. Again, I don't doubt for a second that he really likes Leo Carlson or Matt Favichkov. Don't doubt it at all. Because you, you rank your board. You don't rank your board to how you are at 11. You just rank your board. But do you have that down payment for the house in West Bend? No, you don't. <laughs> no. no, you don't, Vic. Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, this one, text coming You got to put down 20% or whatever it is, man. 650. 6% ain't going to cut it. I don't even know if I can get half a percent. Uh, a lie gets around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. Just just sneak that. Oh, yeah, we're trying to trade up. Brian Burke told me you can always trade up. That was a boss move, by the way, right? <laughs> just throw in Berkey. Just name drop. And it's like, oh, you can always trade up. You know the guy that like, pulled You can always up, trade down, too. The guy that pulled the trade for Sedin's? Yeah, yeah. I talked to him about this. Well played. Well played, Patrick Ovi. I'm not buying it, though. Not buying that one. The truth is out there, though. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have this entry music for Patrick Alvin as he enters the draft floor. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, Leo Carlson should be the only intention on trying to move up to get a player. Other than that, it's posturing to me. But how are you getting that done? Sure. Yeah. I, all of those players in the top five, go through the list. Take Bedard out of it. Fantilli out of it because that seems locked. Anybody after that, Leo Carlson, Will Smith, uh, go through. Go through all those guys. Okay, let's. I, I think we'd want. Let's an- entertain the idea though. Sure. Put Coles in? Like, would you have to do 11, put Coles in, Hoaglander? Again, like, they don't have enough assets to be able to do this. Yeah, but if I'm one of those teams. Like, I'm willing to trade Ryan Leonard or Mitch Cobb. Okay. Let's just say it's Mitchkoff, hmm. and it's Arizona. Like We're willing to give up Mitchkoff. Not a, a first-round Arizona deal again, man. Come on. Not that again. Has that gone from poorly recently? Uh, Another team, please. Okay. But let's Philly. Say, let's just say, yeah, Philly. Whatever. Let's say Philly. Philly's like, oh, yeah, we're ready to give up on Mitchkov or Ryan Leonard. And the big reward we're getting is the player we get 11 and Vasily Pudkolzin. Is that selling a lot of people? It's it's really tough to move up in the NHL, yeah. especially in the top five, top seven. Like, Alex DeBrinkett last year went for seventh overall. Yeah, that one, I don't know if the acquiring team, like, if you're if you're moving down from what, if it was four, that doesn't get it done. Seven, it might, right? Buy low on a guy that went top ten, and then you get another pick on top of that. If you're not necessarily falling in love with any of those guys. I don't think that's anywhere near enough. Yeah. Like 7 to 11, essentially, though. Yeah. If you're if you're comfortable with that player in that block, you probably need a little bit more, though, for sure. 
Uh, Pod Colson not on his own. A couple other things Patrick Alvin went through uh, today. Uh, just mentioned, hey, we're going to sit down with Elias. But he mentioned when the time is right. Uh, no rush to do this uh, again. Uh, saying that they have his rights for two more years. But it's kind of been the tone that, hey, let the market set itself. And then we'll discover what we can do. Maybe this trends towards August and into towards training camp. But we'll see. Hey, does Aho sign a deal? Does Matthew sign a deal? Does, does do some big names sign a deal to kind of establish what the market is? Even though I think we have an idea of what Elias Pedersen can earn, anytime you can get from both sides of the camp, yep. um, from the team side and, and Pedersen's camp, if someone does something crazy that pushes the number up, or if you're the team, maybe you just want to wait. Like I'm sure the team would love to sign it on July 1st. And that's but the thing, yeah. if there's a couple other deals that come in under market value, that could help them too. I feel like the team would run to the table to sign a deal right now. Sure, right? But, but they're going to play this on the Pedersen camp's timeline. Totally. And you heard Patrick Alvin say, we have the player for, what, two years beyond the contract, under control. And that's the exact same line that the agency's going to have. That's the exact same line because essentially, you know, a minimal increase to the cap. Everybody's looking towards next year. So if you're the agent, if you're Elias Pedersen, there's no rush for the Canucks. And there's definitely no rush for Elias Pettersson and his agency based on the fact that if there was an uptick in the cap, if there was a, a potential to get more of the percentage of the cap, you probably, maybe there's a really good chance to get this deal signed. And, and they very well could still. But if you're trying to get, you're trying to get yours, if you're trying to definitely get above that, call that range 10, 11, whatever it may be, waiting for next year, waiting for next offseason is is the bigger financial play here, but we'll see how that plays out. A couple more people texting in. Guys, they can use Lekaramaki or Ratu. So, like, yes, you're right. And technically, they are assets. I do think there's a distinction between Patrick Alvin's prospects that he's acquired and the the prospects from a previous regime. Because hmm. there's been, you know, a bit of a purge of things the previous regime has had. And there's been a lot more, this is how we do things, and these are the guys that we covet. Yeah. Like, you're right. They they could use the Karamaki, they can use a Raw 2, and if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But how much of your, the future that you've had a hand at playing in, do you want to burn up to go get the next future? And again, Mitchkov is a phenomenal talent, or Carlson, whatever it is. I just, I can't imagine using futures to go solve this idea of moving up. And with Karamaki tough year had a pretty good playoffs point per game player but outside of that is his stock near a remember the Canucks took him later on but on their draft list he was seventh right this is a guy that was really highly rated by this regime and it still is he's a part of this organization for that reason I think that's a little too early and it probably doesn't get it done like number three you've got a game-changing player whether they go with Leo Carlson which is not necessarily a consensus but pretty close to it I don't know. You know, Lecker Mackey coming off a, an off year, does he have that same selling point that he did last year? And Ratu, for all the potential there, mm-hmm. remember, this is New York Islanders team that essentially said, all right, we're going to play him on the fourth line with Matt Martin and, you know, a couple of big boys, Johnston, Ross Johnston. They weren't necessarily developing him at the NHL level. Like, the, the stock was pretty low or near low. Uh, good player nonetheless, but still has to develop. So I don't think that gets that done for a, a Leo Carlson type of prospect at number three 
Pick Nazar and Randy Janda. Uh, another still reacting to Patrick Alvin's uh, press conference. If you want to grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Also, uh, an update on Tanner Pearson as well that's trending towards training camp, which really changes the uh, dimension of the offseason because there is an expectation that, you know, this could be a long-term problem and LTI, our space is suddenly going to be there for Vancouver, which is never a good thing. You, yeah. you'd, you'd like to be under the cap, obviously. But does that play a role into the urgency in an OEL buyout, knowing you're going to have this money uh, be on your books instead of on LTI? On two fronts here, I think obviously for Tanner Pearson, a positive development. The fact that the hand is healing and he's prepping himself to be at camp, which is something that, you know, looking back at the way that the last year played out and what, you had multiple surgeries. It's just like so tough up there, yeah. right? So on a, on a human level, first and foremost, that's awesome to hear. Second of all, yeah. If he's ready to go, or if he's near ready to go, you have to prep accordingly. And the other thing on top is, of that... Is the wording kind of interesting on that, that he's preparing to be part of training camp? Because, I mean, from Pearson's sure. point of view, get healthy, right? Yep. And and try to get there for training camp. But is that an expectation that he will be healthy for training camp? And I think when we go back to Tanner's comments, remember the first priority for him was to get healthy so he can spend time with his family, so he can play with his kids. So, yeah, prepping himself to be ready for camp is pretty, it's pretty loose language. We'll see what that means when September rolls around. But on top of that, there's also the Ilya Mikheyev news, which there's an indication that he'll start skating on August 1st, mm-hmm. which is great news. He's working to get back, and probably in and around a similar timeline, we'll have to wait and see. He didn't get into specifics on that one. He didn't necessarily mention training camp with Ilya Mikheyev, but the fact that he would be skating around August 1st speaks to that potential logjam of wingers, right? We're talking about guys coming from the AHL and who have to have big summers so they can make the team. You've got a couple of veteran pieces coming back. Mikheyev is going to be extremely prominent for this team in the top six. We saw the difference that this team, you know, had in that top six. That second line, those North-South players were really lacking. And then you add a Tanner Pearson if he's potentially ready to go. But there's got to be some decisions made with some of the veteran pieces or or even some of the younger players moving forward. Let's listen to what Patrick Alvines had to say about uh, Tanner Pearson. Uh, Tanner Pearson, uh, the, the indication that I have got that uh, his hand is healing. Uh, he's preparing himself to be uh, uh, ready for training camp. It's Patrick Alvine and uh, Brendan Batchelor there just at the uh, sneak it in. Nice to hear from Batch. I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. No, he's been busy. He's a, he's a dad, man. I've been traveling around the world. He's been actually doing parenting. Very different lives we lead as a broadcast team. Have you been traveling around the world or just North America? Just North America for now. Okay. For now. New York, Vegas. Am I missing one? No, that's about Florida? it. Florida? Florida? Florida was All-Star game. That was a long time ago. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. World traveler, Randy Janda. Keep an eye uh, on my IG, though, at Randy Janda. Why? What's going on? I got I got some more trips coming up. Babe. Oh, okay. okay yeah, come on. Okay. Flexing on the gram? Yeah. That's always. Always. Kelly McCrimmon was not going for my uh, no, he wasn't. selfies or pictures with the Stanley Cup I or love anything some, like that. I love somebody said he posterized you on the uh, the selfie question. You asked a question. I, I just have some, Look, if I win a championship, I'm taking pictures with a cup and I'm sending it to 31 GMs. No, for sure. 100%. If anything, you should take pride in his answer because Did, he implied that you were young. Yeah. He implied he that. He don't know. He don't know. He hasn't seen your birth certificate. Yarmo <laughs> would tell you to stick it up your you-know-what. 
That was with you guys, right? Yes. Yeah. That is one buyouts. of the, one of the all time. Not buyouts. No, sorry, offer, offer sheets. sheets. Yeah, offer sheets. Yeah, if you uh, if you do that to your GM, they're gonna stick it up your you know what is uh, Yarmo's Yarmo's quote. But shouldn't GMs like we expect players to compete and trash talk and we love the chirps? Man, I, I want to see some compete in the front offices. Like cutting promos type of thing, like, like American Gladiators. They, like, like they've got this email chain, oh, yeah. group chat. Like, just send a picture with us, you with the Stanley. I want to see. You know what I want to see? Bellagio fountains hoisting the cup. Let's go! I want to see, and rap fans will get this reference. I want to see one GM go up to the stage one day and pull a Suge Knight. Remember, remember that quote from the Source Awards? Your producers up in the video dancing up in the videos. Come to death row record. Like, I want some GM. You're to, too much, man. I want the GM to come up there and say, too much. if your GM's up in the uh, Stanley Cup celebrations or draft dancing, come join the Vegas Golden Knights or the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> when you win fantasy leagues, don't you, like, chirp people? Oh, yeah. All, yeah. all summer, all year long. We were, ta- we were talking about, like, two weeks ago that I, I, I won a fantasy league once, and I, I did a mini parade because I had to, like, pick up the trophy from my friend's house. It was a block away, and I just, like, did the parade. Just walking in front of their house over and over again. Well, I, I walked back to my place, but yeah, I was doing the parade. I don't think I've done that. That's a that's a certain level of petty that I have not hit. Friendly banter, man. Trash talk. That's what it's that's what it's all about. All in good fun. Also, I did have a buddy though. When I refused to pick up his trade calls, he called from his wife's phone number that I did not have, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a response and like, why aren't you picking up my phone calls? <laughs> Shouts to Jason Gill. That's strong. That's strong. Uh, all right. On the other side, we will connect with the triple threat. More reaction to what Patrick Alvin had to say, plus Elliot Friedman putting in the name out there that I think we've all kind of had on our wish list and we've dismissed it. It's like, oh, that's not going to happen. Uh, we'll bring that one up on the other side, too. All on the way. Home of the Canucks. Sportsnet, 650. Second hour of the People's Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Inbox is buzzing right now. You can always text in Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. About an hour from now on Canucks Central, a little bit more than an hour, uh, 410. If you uh, want to hear more from Patrick Alvine, he'll be joining Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw on Canucks Central. Some additional details from the uh, the early press conference at so 1 o'clock today, but some more d- details coming with uh, Sat and Dan. And we'll see. Patrick Alvin, he's got a busy week will, coming up. Will Dan Riccio get dunked on by Alvin like I did by Kelly McCrimmon? I wouldn't even say I got dunked on. I'm just having fun. But uh, the, 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 the texture was saying you got posterized. The textures were saying I got posterized. I think it's rather easy to dunk on Dan Riccio. <laughs> just, right? Is it not? Through, is just, it? I just threw open out. Is it not easy to dunk on Rico? I knew you would dunk it. That's awesome. Muggsy Bogues. We didn't even plan that one right there. That was that was great. Depends Our next how guest. high the hoop is. Yeah. 
Fisher Price hooped. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Our next guest is going to pile on this uh, as well. I know this for Oshkosh. Uh, let's talk to our next guest. Brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Ian McIntyre, the Triple Threat, Sportsnet.ca, uh, radio, television. Uh, he is the Triple Threat. Ian, how are you? I'm doing very well. You have perfectly teed up a Riccio slander. So uh, I will abide by just saying that Muggsy Bogues could jump four and a half feet in the air. In his tallest platform shoes, Riccio could not get four and a half feet in the air, even with a stepladder. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome back to the show, and That's how you announce your Ian. presence. I missed you. <laughs> Come on, that was all by intent. Oh. I, I didn't know you guys were going to be talking about Riccio, but when oh. you're comparing... Dunking on Richo and comparing him to Muggsy Bogues? Come on. Come on now. I swear I didn't. I'm not going to pass up that low-hanging fruit. Uh, all right. The only fruit Dan Richo can reach that. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Oh. 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 Um, all right. Today... At the press conference, they're reacting behind the glass right now. They're falling over themselves. That's very good. Uh, today at the press conference, uh, Patrick He'd be Alvey. okay with strawberries and berries and stuff, <laughs> like ground, ground cover fruit. Things that you can forage reach. rather than pick. Yeah, he wouldn't, go, he wouldn't go hungry as long as there were berries around. But if he had to, if it was like, I don't know, coconuts, mangoes. Yeah. He could have some trouble. <laughs> okay. Uh, Patrick Alvin today, meeting with media fresh off of the OEL buyout. Uh, thoughts on what uh, Patrick had to say today, Ian? Yeah, I was um, not really surprised by anything. He was very strong, I thought, on the impact of of the injury to Ethan Bear. I guess that would be my, my biggest takeaway uh, news-wise, is that they're not going to. It sure sounds like they won't be qualifying him, which means they're going to they're going to take their chance on negotiating a, a one-year contract at a at a lesser number, probably significantly lesser number, uh, for, from the Canucks standpoint, than his qualifying offer. And you know, I, I I'm not shocked by it. It it's kind of it's kind of been sounding that way, um, but it's you know this a uh, a team that we know is is missing at least one top four defenseman and and certainly uh, if Bear is to play elsewhere they'll they'll be without a second top four and I know that you can make the argument that Bear's not really top four but on this team you know he he kind of is for now for now until the team evolves. And even if the team evolves, he's not one of those guys who, who's going to um, devolve out of the lineup. You know, he would just he would just move down to to a third pair. And I I like Keith and Bear a lot, and I think he's you know pretty good value even even at last year's number, pretty good value. But of course, he is going to miss three months. And uh, I'm a little surprised at what seems to be a fairly strong stance by by Alvin and the team on this, and, and he made it clear, and I'm sure you've played some of the clips. Um, I'm just a little surprised because if you believe that a player can be part of your future, and, and certainly Ethan Bear uh, can be. You know, he's not perfect. Yeah, you wish he was maybe a little bigger, maybe 
um, a little more physical. But for a guy who can retrieve pucks and make a pass and hold his own defensively, I think he's really good value. And he's still young enough, obviously, to to get better and, and be a good player for a lot of years. And if you think he's going to be good enough to be a player for you for several years, then I don't think... You, I wonder about the wisdom of risking losing him uh, for the sake of, let's say, it's a three-month injury. Now, maybe you know they know a lot more than than we do about his his shoulder and and what the prognosis is. But so far, all that's been said is that he he could be out to till December. So you know they're already down one uh, defenseman and. You know, I'd be a little concerned that maybe they're going to end up with a bigger hole if they don't if they if they don't find a way to come to a compromise with Ethan Barron. Again, we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, other than those sides have been in discussions, you know, fairly regularly since Ethan Bear came to the Canucks last last fall. And you know, is is there trust there? Because uh, that's what it comes down to to do a one year show me deal. And and the trust part is that if he does well, then the Canucks would have to step up a year from now and 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 give him, you know, acknowledgement for for what he's done and give him a little bit of a bit of security. Is is the trust there already? It's again that's hard to say, but I know that Ethan Bear uh, really likes this or- organization and playing here. He feels grateful for the opportunity that he has made the most of. And the Canucks, you know, by all accounts, at the end of the season, were happy with him. And it was just a matter of somehow agreeing on a number on the next deal. So I hope that's still the case because I think he's a handy player. And certainly with all the transactions that have occurred, he's one of, he's one of the wins to this point for Patrick Aldine. I'd like to see them keep him. Absolutely, and I think, you know, given the circumstances, and it's unfortunate for Ethan because going to the World Championships – Having that injury uh, has, in the ways, every negotiation is about leverage. It's swung leverage toward the Canucks, where heading into those World Championships, you could say Ethan Bear and his camp had leverage based on the fact that he was able to raise the bar with the Canucks. Um, so that qualifying, that comment of, you know, Ethan wanted to wait to, to negotiate or sign a contract, uh, fair to say that that leverage has swung in the favor of the Canucks in, in terms of dictating terms here? Yeah, well, uh, Ethan, unfortunately, at the moment has no leverage. Because because he's hurt and uh, you know to I mean I guess he has leverage in the in in the sense that if the Canucks choose not to qualify him then he can go anywhere he wants and and you know I think the way that he played uh, last season the way in his own words he he sort of stabilized his game and reestablished himself uh, there's no doubt in my mind that. You know, another team would sign him, but would would he get more from another team than he than he would get from the Canucks? Or is he looking at no matter what? Is he looking at you know a one year show me deal for I'm not going to say entry level money, but something something not far from it? Um, uh, he he can definitely play in this league. I I think that it's harder than people think sometimes to to find a guy at 2 million who can who can do what Ethan Bear can do uh, at this point as far as 
you know, defending and transporting, uh, relaying the puck. Um, so I, you know, if he's not playing here, he's going to be playing somewhere else, uh, but not until probably close to, to Christmas time. And that's, and that's, you know, the, the problem uh, for him in, in the situation is that he's not going to be available when the season starts. It complicates another thing all being acknowledged. It complicates your, your, um, uh, roster construction when you have guys on LTIR, uh, when there's uncertainty, uh, as is the case with, say, Tanner Pierce and Tucker Poole, when exactly what is, you know, is that going to be for the start of the year? Is it going to be a month in? And you, you still have to leave room for the player who might be on LTIR at start, like Ethan Bear, to come off of LTIR in the middle of the year. So it does, it does uh, complicate things. And, uh, you know, Alvin said when asked uh, how much the injury affects the decision-making on a qualifying offer, he he was very blunt. He said a lot, a lot. Uh, The other kind of primary takeaway was his talk about the draft as well and and what they can do, uh, and specifically he he mentioned moving up uh, and and unprompted mentioned that he is – looking at the idea of moving up. Is that just posturing? Because I, I look at the assets they have to try to move up, and I'm not sure the depth of uh, assets is available to want to move up, Ian. Yeah, it, it all depends, how obviously, how how far you're moving up. If you're moving you know, to do 8 from 11, and you're giving up presumably the 11 in the trade, you probably don't need as as big an asset as, as you may think. And they do have, you know... Uh, Players that they could they could include, I think, in a minor in a minor uh, upgrade in in draft pick. But you're right that if you know if you're trying to get into the top five or something like that, that's significant asset or assets uh, to go from eleven to five. Even though the whoever is making that deal with you is still going to have a pretty good pick in eleven. Those are game changing players, uh, typically that you get, you have a chance to get in in the top five. Doesn't always work out as we've seen, but you have a much better chance to get a franchise caliber player in the top five of this draft or any draft than you do than you do at uh, eleven. It, it surprised me a little bit. I don't think it's posturing. I do think that they are are open to almost anything. Um, I had thought until he said that, that maybe the more likely scenario if they're going to move is to actually move down. And, and again, I I don't think it would be, I don't think they'd go from 11 to 25, uh, but I could see them going from 11 to 15 or maybe 11 to, to the high teens. um, If they get uh, an asset back, we know that they have a, a hole in their batting order at the draft because they gave away the second pick in, in the Ronick uh, trade. So even though they have uh, six picks overall in the top four rounds, three of them are in round four, but those six picks, that's the most they've had in the top four of a draft since 1984, but they don't have that second rounder. And if they could get one by moving down, I would have thought that that would that would make a lot of sense, but it sounds like they have a pretty clear idea, you know, who, who their, who their target would be if they're going uh, into the top 10. And if, you know, if, if they would have an idea of what that, that would cost. So I'd say the fact that, 
that Alvin mentioned it, it's at least a possibility. I don't think it's a smokescreen. I don't think he's just, you know, saying it for cheap applause. I, I think it's possible. I, I, I definitely don't think it's likely because for all the talk about moving up and down, it, it's it's rare, especially at, at the top of the draft. I mean, teams teams trade picks all the time, but just to to move uh, a little up or a little down to get the guy you want doesn't happen all that often. You see it more uh, in the in the middle rounds where a team will give up one pick and take two, get two in return, so they're just getting volume. But in terms of those quality picks at the top, just doesn't happen all that often. But I don't think it's uh, to to your question. I don't think this is just a smokescreen by Alvin. I think it's. I think it's a possibility, but I'd still be very, very surprised if they moved up. Well, well, the draft is coming up here, but all eyes on free agency because of that OEL buyout. You have some money to play with. Uh, the names, as usual, Ian, are popping up. Ryan O'Reilly thrown out there by Elliot Friedman today. You know, on the lower end, Carson Soucy. You have Barbashev discussions. Like, how aggressive do you think this team is going to be come July 1st? Well, I think they probably have two lists. Uh, I, I think they have a trade list, and I think they have a free agency list. And the trade list, typically, that's a nicer list because it's not being dictated simply by the expiration of, of contracts. That's a list where you actually can, can maybe, you, can, you certainly can identify the players you want, but then maybe you can create that uh, transaction. Um, so I think they're going to look, uh, I think they're going to talk to a lot of teams about who who might be available in trade again it comes down to what assets do you have to give up uh but there's there's certain players you know teams that have that have uh salary cap pressure which we all know about here until you know on friday uh you know th- sometimes those costs are not as prohibitive as you would think uh so i think they're probably going to um Talk to a lot of teams about the assets that who are not uh, UFAs that the Canucks like, and see what those would cost, and then kind of as as a fallback position, look at free agency. Although there's you know there's certainly targets that they would they would have there. I think again part of the problem if you're just relying on on free agents is the the chance of error in what it costs and what you have to commit is is much higher than if you're trading for a player who's under contract comes with cost certainty and and again is a player that you've identified that you want to be part of part of your group but yeah i i'd be i'd be surprised frankly if if it's and i don't know what say o'reilly's going to cost but if it's a five million dollar player that would that would surprise me it would surprise me if they get another four million dollar defenseman. Uh, you know, they just they just made the deal for Ronick, uh, who's making I think four six and is due a, a contract in another year. Um, I I think they need to spread the spread this money that they've created for themselves. I don't think it's a matter of just going getting one or two guys. We all know that the team is is farther away from being a superior team than just one or two players. Although those guys can make, you know, one or two players plus the coach makes, makes, can make a huge difference. So I I think we're probably going to see several uh, acquisitions and 
maybe some of them are going to be the low cost, low risk, high reward type, where if it turns out they get a player, it helps. But I'd be surprised if, if they're going to go get one of, for instance, the top 10 guys. I know I think they do do like, at one point, they like Barbashev a lot. But again, with the, the playoffs that he had, the fact he has played a lot more wing than center, um, he's a terrific player, though. But with the playoffs he had, he's he's maybe gone from being, you know, say when he was traded to Vegas from St. Louis, you might say, okay, there's a guy who's going to cost $3 million at the end of the season. Could you do four years at $3 million? Yeah, of course you can. But w- what if now his cost is actually $4.5 million? What if it's $5 million because he had such a great playoff? To me, that doesn't make sense for Vancouver. As it stands today, because of the bio, they, they, they have freed up some money, and let's just live in a world where they can spend money on one marquee player. Um, like, What position would you do it at? Is it center? Is it uh, the left side D? Where are you allocating the money for one marquee purchase? Well, again, this is the problem with the Canucks, as we know that they don't. It's not one marquee player that they need. It's <laughs> sure. it's it's a couple. Um, but uh, I think that their priority is unchanged from how they stated at the end of the season that the third line center is the biggest need. Now, that doesn't mean that's where they're going to spend the most money, uh, especially if they get that third line center in trade, and you know they get let's say they get the number three defenseman or a three and a four defenseman in free agency. Well, the free agents are going to cost more. Uh, But I I think their priority still has to be uh, the third line center. A lot depends, of course, on how this dance, this contract dance with Ethan Baer turns out and whether he's part part of their group as of December or not. But they definitely need... Uh, a second pairing guy now, uh, and uh, I think they f- they feel good that they have a lot of depth in the organization uh, compared to the previous year. You know, with the guys who came in at the end, uh, Hiroshi and uh, McWard, the guys that had you know great success in the American League this season and then graduated to the Canucks late in the year. Willannon and Brisebois, like the, those last two guys, they're on the team now. Uh, unless somebody beats them out, let's say they're the third pairing, but they still don't have they still don't have anyone between them and uh, Ronick and Quinn Hughes and Ethan Bear. I think you could argue would be a guy between those two tiers. He'd be in that middle tier, but right now they don't have him. And again, from the sounds of today, it's possible they're not going to have him. So it's it's a big need on defense. It's, it's I think, a bigger need uh, at third-line center. I think they figure, you know, with who would be available and what they have now, they can, they can kind of jerry-rig a defense. Like, they can put a defense together, especially when they have two guys capable. One guy's going to play 28 minutes a game. The other guy's going to play at least 22 so you have those two guys at the top. You, you can figure out a way to to ice a defense, whether it's going to be uh, a, a defense good enough to make the playoffs or win a playoff round. 
that's a, that's a bigger question. But I just think they right now in in their organization, they've come to the conclusion that there is no one who is ready to be a third line center, to be a center, a top nine center on this team after Horvat was traded away. Nils Amin, Amin and uh, Atu Ratu are, you know, terrific prospects, but they're not ready. So the third line center is still the top priority. All right, Ian, before we let you go, I had to get your thoughts on this. Henrik Lundqvist, Carolina Ouellette, Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon, Pierre Turgeon heading into the Hall of Fame alongside Ken Hitchcock and Pierre Lacroix. No Alex McGillney yet again. Uh, your thoughts on that? He snubbed in what was perceived as a pretty thin class compared to last year. Yeah, uh, it, it's. Uh, I think McGillney, and I've said this, that McGillney should should be in there. Um, uh, I don't really know, and no one does, and I think maybe this is part of the failings of the mechanism for selecting players to the Hall of Fame. No, Nobody really knows what the discussions are. We know that the criteria um, is somewhat subjective, or, or maybe even more than somewhat. It's very su- subjective, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, because if you, if it wasn't, Henrik and Daniel Sedin wouldn't have been such easy easy choices for the Hall of Fame just because their numbers alone aren't as good as some players who who are not in the Hall of Fame. I just think McGillney, for 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 so many reasons, he was uh, you know one of the last to defect, and you know the way that he played, the dy- dynamicism to his game. I think I think the one knock against him is that he was so talented and we saw that here in in Vancouver uh when he had what was was it 106 points I can't even remember 110 he had just an incredible season in Vancouver and then yep. you know didn't we didn't see anything remotely as good a, as that season from him after and the team was bad and they really had no chance to win I think McGillney knew that uh I think there's kind of a knock on him that as talented as he as he was, maybe he could have gotten even more out of his career. But I, I, I think just for the player that he was, how how he was able to score, and and really uh, is an underrated player in his 200 foot game, or was an underrated player. I remember talking to to teammates. This was at the same time that the Canucks had Pavel Bury, one of the most beloved and most dangerous offensive player in franchise history, but most beloved by fans, uh, there wasn't much argument that Alex McGillney was actually the better all-around player than, than Pavel Burry. Didn't score a, as much, uh, but could play in his own end, could play along the boards. There was a lot that he could do. Uh, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. It, it's, it's too bad that he isn't, but you know, y- year after year, You'd think his chances would decrease, you know, over time. Like if not now, then when? And yet uh, we see today with uh, some of the players going in that they've they'd been turned down before, and in some cases quite often before. You know, with Ver- talking about Vernon Barrasso. So uh, I would say there's still hope, but it's disappointing that it hasn't happened yet. It's always a treat talking to you, Ian. Thank you very much. See you guys. I'm, please say sorry to Richo for me. We, I think I really do think it was your guys' fault because you brought him up. 
before I came on. I see what you said there. You knew the reaction. You knew the reaction (laughs) that you were going to get from me. Uh, Thank you so much, Ian. See you guys. Uh, He's brought to you by Avenue Machinery, Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. I try not to say anything, Vic. I, like, I try. Legitimately, I, try. I can't. I can't resist, man. Anytime there's reach slander, I walk out of the studio and I go, "Sorry, man." Like I can't look him in the eye. Not for the obvious reasons. <laughs> he just said we're gonna go. I can't help go. myself, man. It's it's getting to a point where it's just bullying. Kind of. Is. No, it's not. I, yeah, I haven't I, been on the air in a long time. I like reach. I need to reinforce. You're on the air yesterday. You're literally on the air yesterday. No, but two days doesn't get. It's been a while, man. <laughs> now you're just lying. To reach lie. is my boy. Reach is my boy. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Uh, On the other side, Olympian, runner, John Gay is going to join us. One of the biggest events of the year. It's a fantastic event, Harry Jerome Classic, less than a month away. Uh, We'll talk to John Gay on the other side. Plus, again, I keep mentioning Elliot Friedman's uh, hyping up a player that could be ending up here in Vancouver. We'll talk about that on the other side as well. Minutes away, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet, 650. Final segment to the People's Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Dick Nazar, Randeep Janda here as uh, we get ready for uh, one of your favorite events of the year. That's right. You love the Harry Jerome Classic. It's uh, in my hood. 40th, yeah. That's right. A, a big year for the Harry Jerome Classic. It's a- This year in Langley. Historically. Yes. Historically, it's been at Swan Guard. Yeah. This year it's Langley. They've switched it up. But it's one of my favorite because, A, mm-hmm. you get to watch all the events, all the races, you can watch it in a pretty relaxed atmosphere, and sometimes they've also got the athletes themselves, but they've got mm-hmm. some special guests rolling through as well. So it's always nice to meet Olympians or Paralympians uh, when they hit up the event. Uh, we'll connect uh, with John Gay in just a second here, Olympic runner. If you if, if you ran the Sun Run, I believe uh, John won the Sun Run. Okay, yeah. I was so if, if you were trailing all the way behind, you're like, I wonder who won. Unfortunately, I could not push John <laughs> further to get even a better... Better yes. time. I was not. I was not in the race. We, we were taking shots at Riccio. Um, I won't say this. One of my favorite posts that I've ever seen Riccio do. I think it's. I think it's a. It was on Instagram. He's he's a, he's at the start line for the Sun Run. Yep. And he takes a picture, and everyone's behind him. He's like, "I'm winning." I, I always remember that one. That one stands out to me. So, <laughs> uh, and I, I want to make clear, we some, went to talk to Riccio right now. We're all good. Love, We're yeah. legitimately boys. Uh, we 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 walked out, and he's like. Low-hanging fruit to make fun of the short guy. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we do. My goal for this final segment is not to say anything on that front. I'm going to try. I'm going to try, right? Uh, Again, efforting to connect uh, with John Gay, uh, Olympic runner. uh, Tickets on sale for uh, the Harry Jerome Classic. Early bird tickets on sale uh, up until the 23rd of this week at harryjerome.com. So open to connect with him in just a minute. Uh, Until then. We've mentioned this. Uh, let's finally play it here. From 32 Thoughts earlier today, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. You can grab that on your local podcatcher, including, if you're not already subscribed to that, subscribe to The People Show, Canucks Central, Canucks Talk, Halford and Bruff, PDO Cast, and The Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, you know, we've been pitching ideas of players that maybe they could go after. There's been a name that, like, one of my favorite players in the league to watch 
anytime we've mentioned, it's like, oh, I can't imagine it's going to happen. Lo and behold, Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts presenting this. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Okay. Wednesday morning ad to the Canucks section. I woke up this morning and had a thought. We know the Canucks are looking for another center. What if their target is Ryan O'Reilly? Just something that occurred to me. We'll see. Am I insane or pure genius? In 10 days, we find out. I love By the, the way, okay. I love the saxophone in the, the music. <laughs> Can we hear the start of that? Because it, it ends on the saxophone, but it's it starts with like it sounds like that uh, Twister song. Let's see if uh Or no, sorry not Twister. Uh is that like a Kanye song it sounds like? Yeah, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember. I think Twista was in it though. Are you yeah. thinking of Otis with Jay? No no no, 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 no. No, we're talking about uh Twista and Jamie Foxx was Slow in Slow Jams? Slow Jams, that's the one. Yeah. I'll have to do some research on that. Can we hear the start of that again? It sounds like something. Yeah. Definitely isn't because we have copyright issues. No, no, it's not actually that. It's not actually right. that. But now I'm now I'm imagining Elliot Friedman doing Twista's verse in that. <laughs> As we completely disregarded everything he has to say. Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, back to Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly. Stunning uh, name to be mentioned. Because if you're looking to find like the prototypical third-line center for where the Canucks are, Boy, does he fit a lot of needs. You want to talk about a guy who's uber competitive? Check. Yep. You want to talk about a guy who's right-handed? Check. Center? Check. Probably at the stage in his career where he's willing to play that type of role as well? Check. And certainly someone that would be overqualified to be your third-line center. So if you really intend to move the bar and the ceiling of your organization, it's not just, hey, we bring in a guy... And we think he can do this role, and let's see if he succeeds at it. Ryan O'Reilly should be a second line center in this league. But if you can get him as your third line center, suddenly it's really interesting. I think it's a really intriguing proposition. You mentioned all the things he can do, right? Mm -hmm. He chips in offensively, as we saw in Toronto in that late season cameo in the playoffs. He was 11 points in 13 games. That's right. When he was healthy in the regular season, we saw that Hattie that he scored for the Leafs, but even beyond that, he picked up points. Mm -hmm. But the key here is he will play those matchup roles. He will help out Elias Pettersson, and he will free up a JT Miller to get the soft matchups. That's going to be so important if that were to happen. Here's the problem. I understand why it would be appealing to the Canucks. It might be expensive on the term side of things. Mm -hmm. But what about Vancouver appeals to Ryan O'Reilly when you've got teams? I'm just going to list off a couple here. Toronto, the team that he just played for that has a couple of decent centers. You play third line center. You can play on the wing in an elevated role who is closer to championship contention than the Canucks are right now. If I want to play a little, you know, more of a chaotic situation, maybe a team like Tampa says, all right, we got to double down. We need some experience. We need some grit. Maybe Florida comes and says, all right, we have some good centermen, but we need that experience. But is Tampa going to be able to, to put up the money? It's a long offseason. You can move some stuff around, right? For the same reasons. I understand what mm -hmm. you're saying, but guys have shown that they're willing to take less in certain situations mm -hmm. to go to the right 
team. Taxes helps and everything like that. But like a Florida to me is a classic example where Barkov, you know, Bennett, those guys did a good job. Lundell. But like if you're trying to upgrade, there's better or closer options to the cup is what I'm saying. Why do we traditionally see guys take a discount? I'm trying to win a cup. Sure. He's done that. Now, hey, you can always want to win the next one. But this is kind of like the last opportunity Ryan O'Reilly is going to have to cash in. Are you going to risk doing a short-term or short AAV contract? Is he at the... Okay, there's two ways to look at that, though. Giroux went on... You know, he got traded. He okayed the no-move clause. Went for the cup and got his in the long term, too. Ryan O'Reilly's in a different place because he has lost a bit of a step, too. Mm-hmm. I think there's situations out there that he can do a little bit of both. Is Vancouver one of them is the question. Are they close enough to be in that equation to say, you're going to get your money, but you're legitimately a contender right now? I always just look at free agency as money dictates everything. Like, money will be the primary factor in every free agent's decision. Sure. Now... Then there's outliers that are saying, hey, I'm willing to do X, Y, and Z, but money talks more than anything come July 1st. And that's why I constantly advocate total money, total money, total money. That's what matters to agents and players. That's how you attract people to come to your city. That's what makes you a destination. So, again, I'd be over the moon impressed if Ryan O'Reilly was like, you know what? I do want to go play for Tampa Bay. I'll do it for $2 million. Good for you, man. Yeah. But this is also your chance, your 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 last chance, because it's gonna be tougher at age thirty three to then walk in and say, "All right, let me. I did the one year thing. Now someone go pay me." That's gonna be really tough. I think this is like his chance to get a four year deal. Okay. On the flip side, though, from a Canucks perspective, if you are offering up a deal, are you okay offering up a four year? Yes, in, you are. No, no, I'm just saying, like, but like that's that's a legit question. This right? is where it gets interesting because you could say, "Hey, we're willing to pay you the money," but the term on that deal, as good as a player he is, it's going to be kind of ugly. So, so let's discuss. And this is why I kind of pitched to Ian too: is if you only have money to make one marquee signing, and let's just take the best player available at these spots here. So, just remove the idea of contract here, okay? Ryan O'Reilly would be the best checking center available, like third line center. To me, I think he's probably the best one on the free agent. Provides market. the high end too yes. in certain aspects. Yep. There's the the four checking winger that we've talked about. Barbashev has been the name. Yep. If you're looking at left handed D, the elite name is probably Orlov or Bobby, Ryan Bobby Orlov. <laughs> Bobby Orlov. Remember they were calling him that <laughs> in Boston. Yeah. Or Ryan Graves. Now Ryan Graves is probably a bit less, but let's just throw him in that group. Sure. Right handed D men, there aren't really any like. Matt Dumbo is probably the best name, and I don't see him taking a short-term deal. But I don't know if he... Orlov's not taking that either, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll put Matt Dumbo in this conversation. But let's say you have to spend on one of these marquee guys, because they have only so much money right now to spend on one big player. Do you want Barbashev? Do you want Ryan O'Reilly? Do you want Orlov, or do you want Dumbo? Because those are the best players that those... The the four needs for Vancouver on free agency. Which one do you want to spend on? I'm looking at the left side of defense. So for me, it would be that combination of either Orlov or Ryan Graves. And I understand the price mm-hmm. is going to be high. Let's say, okay, let's say 7.5 for Orlov and 5 million for Graves. I think yeah. that's short on Graves, but nevertheless, let's just, to, to put the picture in people's minds. You're going to have to give up term and a, a potentially high AAV, but that need of having the right type of partner next to Philip Hronick. Philip Hronick's a, a good player, but watching him in Detroit, 
you know, when the puck's on his stick a lot, he's he's a very strong defensive player in certain aspects. We've seen what he can do with, uh, you know, slot pass completions. We've seen what he can do with taking the puck out of the zone, jumping into the rush. But he's not a perfect player. There's not many perfect players. And you need have to have somebody next to him that you can rely on. So when I look at the left shot, you know, left shot B, if you're going to put a certain amount of money or a, a big number, if you're going to spend that money on a player... I'm looking at that top four D. What did we see from Vegas? Do you have a solid top four? They had a solid top six, but you need to have that solid top four. So I like Ryan O'Reilly. He's one of my favorite players of the last decade. Mm -hmm. I love the way he played the game. I love the way he plays it to now. But that left shot D, to have the right partner next to Philip Hronick, that's where I'm looking. Man, you're right, okay? I want to be clear with this. Can we clip that, please? You're, You're absolutely right. Um... He's just such a different, like he's exactly the style of player that you do want. And I did misspeak. Thank you for texting in. Uh, I called him a righty. Uh, he is a lefty. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at Pajot's name at the same time. That's why I got confused. But nevertheless, uh, he is a lefty. But like the, the the two things I look at are like what this team needs. Like competitiveness is far and away one of this team's biggest blind spots right now. They just need naturally. Super competitive people. And when I think of guys who are getting the most out of their talents and making it as difficult as possible for opponents, it's a short list. And I think of Ryan O'Reilly's on that list. And that's why I my my heart says Ryan O'Reilly and my head says left left side of D. There's the idea of what Ryan O'Reilly can be in the playoffs, especially, right? Over 82. I still have my questions about how much you can give because, hey, man, 32 years old, playing the way he's played in his career, the miles that he has on that body, like, still a damn good player. But at some point, it catches up to you. And it started to catch up a little bit. Still good defensively, but we've seen, obviously, those numbers kind of fluctuate a little bit. But in the playoffs, could I see a Ryan O'Reilly pay dividends? Absolutely. When you have a strong spine of a team. But, Bick, is this team that team right now? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, if, that's what uh, Mike and Wilby saying: right style, wrong age. And also, Tony's also texting in. Thought of Ryan O'Reilly for four years scares the uh, fecal matter out of me. But you're right, just because it's is it the right stage to do it? Yeah, and if if I'm looking across the league, there's a bunch of teams that I could say makes a lot of sense. If you're going to make that move, it's go time. It's time to hit that home run. You try to get that the highest quality three C you can get, even if he's fallen off a little bit. The the four the fourth year is is the one that really scares me. If you look for like comps, like Eric Stahl signed a three year three point five million dollar deal. Hey, you hope for that contract if you're the team. Someone like David Backus signed a five year thirty million dollars at age thirty two as well. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. And then in the middle, Alex Steen at age thirty two signed a four year deal for five and a half per year, twenty three million. But I think somewhere between eighteen to twenty-three million is probably what gets it done for Ryan O'Reilly. Is there a thirty-something player that you can get on a one or two-year deal that would work? And the yeah. the name that I'm going to bring up—he's not a right-shot center either; he's a lefty. Lars Eller for a one-year. You love Lars. Eller. I, I'm just saying for yeah. this for this role for the Canucks behind an Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller, a guy that is gritty. You know, in the playoffs, he had a 65% face-off percentage. He can play the tough matchups. He's not your first or second-line center. 
no question. But for a year, if you can get him at an affordable price, is he a guy that at least can play a high level mm-hmm. but be a stopgap for what you hope next year? Maybe you get some new bodies coming in. Maybe Atu Ratu takes a bit of a step. But you don't have to pay an arm and a leg to necessarily get a player that provides experience. Uh, this text, it screams Jay Beagle. No, it doesn't no. because Ryan O'Reilly is a completely different class than Jay Beagle was. He's like Ryan O'Reilly could play on your power play again as a situational guy, net front or something like that. You weren't entertaining that idea with Jay Beagle, so let's uh, just remove that thought right now. And by the way, thank you to all the texts coming in as well. Uh, we solved the uh, the mystery here. Can, like, can we hear the 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 thirty two thoughts clip first here? So we, we were trying to figure out what song it was. Okay, so that's the Elliot clip, yep. the the insert, and everyone texted in. That's from Kanye's "We Don't Care." So we got, oh, that's oh, there we go. That's really close. That's really oh, close. Oh yeah. All right, all right, we're good. We're we good. got the rights free version on Thirty Two Thoughts. <laughs> it was a clean. It was a clean intro. I'm not gonna lie. It was, it's Freege West. Exactly. All right. It was a clean on. version of the song too. Yeah. yeah there we go. Uh, all right, Vic Mazar, Randy Janda. Uh, so last year, yeah, here on the People Show. When uh, it was it was still b- the both of us. That's right. Uh, you you uh, set something up. Well, Jamie trekked down to during the show. I forgot during the about show, that. yeah, we made it a, a will Jamie return on time? Yeah. So French's uh, the condiment maker. Yep. Uh, created a ketchup popsicle. Correct. And during the show, they were doing a pop up shop, and we sent Jamie out during the show. Our producer left the show uh, and brought ketchup pop- popsicles back. Uh, we were very much. Uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Jamie hated it. Mine, I was like, all right. And you were like, this is great. I said, hey, you know what? It's fine. I wouldn't necessarily put it in my freezer, but I'd have it again. So this year, what happened is, because of our experiment last year, the folks reached out and said, we'll give you a preview copy. So the the folks that are uh, watching us on the stream right now, I have ketchup-flavored cotton candy. Cotton candy, folks. And this isn't even out yet. It's coming out on... Wednesday, June twenty seventh. There's gonna be a pop up shop in Granville Street in Vancouver, but we got the uh, we got an advanced look at this, Bic. So for those uh, who didn't see, Bic just took a sniff and popped the top. Yeah, kind of looks like drywall. It's a punch. You think you did a hit of like smelling salts? Yeah, Owens Corning fiberglass insulation. It. uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we can see it here. We'll we'll maybe air this out later. But uh, here, I'm. I'm also cotton candy. Cotton candy, tomato flavored. Shouts to the uh, folks from French. Ketchup flavored. Oh, sorry, did it? Yeah, tomato. tomato. Yeah, same thing. I mean, tomato, tomato. tomato. <laughs> but there's also sugar in it. Ketchup's got a bunch of stuff in there. So, Bic's thrown it. I'm out. No. All right. Does that disintegrate on impact? Yeah, it does too. Yeah, I it did. Spit it out. The Whoa. Pops- the popsicle was significantly better. Okay, the popsicle. The popsicle Woo! was like manageable. This one's got like a weird aftertaste. You don't say. No, but like. The aftertaste hits you before. It's, it's like before the taste. Oh man, that's, that's that's rough. I'm out. That's rough. Is it sweet? No. Don, come in and have some. No. Come on now. It's like a weird like. It's funny because this is the same crew that was with us last ah. year when we did the popsicles, and Eddie looked at us like before the show. It's like yeah, I'm not doing that. This is like never again with the popsicles. My it's- selling point was your facial expression, Beck, in the commercial break, opening up the product before this segment. That's all I needed to know. I'll try it again. It's kind of like cinnamony, isn't it not? It, it honestly doesn't taste like ketchup. Cinnamon tomato? No, it, he's trying to convince his mind of that. I'm going to have a few more. I got to get a... Kind prop. of tastes like burnt toast. That's nice. Don't bring oh, burnt yeah. toast into that conversation. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Tastes like burnt toast. Man, I'm going to roll. Kanye, wow. burnt toast. How many times are you going to taste it? 
I still have the whole thing left, man. I, 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 like, to give, I like to give things honest attempts. The more you eat it, the more you like it. No, I really don't. Okay, this is this is my file. I like trying weird things like this. You know, I've done in the try, past, Try right? everything once. Exactly. I don't know if I'm going to be trying this one ever again. Just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's not for someone else. I want to see what other people experience. This is legit, though. We had the, uh, remember, there was the uh, Thanksgiving turkey dinner Jones soda, which was disgusting. I don't remember that one. I don't think you did that one. That might have been a Riccio thing, and then we did the popsicle, so. I'm out. I think this one is, um, this one's not as bad as the Jones soda. That was turkey dinner, but this one is worse than the popsicle, no I, doubt, no I, doubt. I, I'm closing the lid on this one. Tastes like an ashtray. Literally shout and out, figuratively. Shout, like, out, shout out to the people from French's for hooking us up. But, uh. I can't wait for next year, Bic. I can't wait. Stick to ketchup and mustard. I'm a Heinz yeah. guy. Brand loyalty there. <laughs> Although when you switch like a, hey, a condiment. Hey, hasn't sent us anything, so go French's, <laughs> all right? It's the, the Brock Lesnar line. <laughs> wow, God, that's French's music. <laughs> when you switch like condiments, it does kind of screw with you a little bit. What? Like, like, like the first time you're like, oh, I went, I went from Miracle Whip to Hellman's. Like, well, that's different, though. That's not mayonnaise. You do Miracle is mayonnaise. Yeah, uh, you didn't just switch okay. condiments. You didn't. You switched condiments. Sorry, you I'll didn't... switch brands. Sorry, what? What did you say, Don? Uh, condiments. <laughs> did you go into a different condiments? Just... Pardon? When you go to French's, to a different to product there. Heinz or whatever. Like, if you're switching ketchup brands, it does taste a little different. You would never. You wouldn't know. But if you if you knew know. that, like, hey, I have purchased different ones, I'm not eating. I'm using it. I'm not eating ketchup that regularly that I notice the difference day to day. Mustard then. But if you had a say a hamburger, yeah. One had brand A, the other had brand B. You're not exact same hamburger, but not telling you which is which. Would you notice the difference? I don't think so. No, no. This isn't a Coke Pepsi thing. Let's do a taste test tomorrow, boys. Summer uh, content. Is, uh, when is Confession Friday coming back? The summer. We're actually really close to Confession Friday returning. Mid July. Yeah, like once the summer schedule, because we can't do Confession Fridays on a one-hour show. Yeah, we need twenty minutes for it. And I just do a whole show just Confession. And this Friday. is strategic. Uh, let the confessions pile up. Yeah, like, you've got some work to do. It's been a, a lot of sinful people over the last year. <laughs> Responsibly in the bus. Uh, do some things uh, and, and c- come join us in about, probably what, three weeks' time? That's a reference to the segment. Yeah, I was going to... Everyone <laughs> yes. doesn't know. Unless... You're just throwing out <laughs> random words in the segment that are confusing people. Unless... Condiments. <laughs> Dom's like the, uh, the Will Ferrell's. Yelling things just, randomly. Just Wham! Yelling. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, see, Jeff and East Hill. Uh, French's and Heinz are completely different tastes. I'm more uh, of a Grey Poupon. Like guy. I said, French's send stuff, so yes. therefore I am rating it very highly. Uh, okay, boys, back to the Canucks. Uh, we will actually make way for Canucks Central. They're coming up next. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, Patrick Alvin is going to join them in about 15 minutes. Uh, so hang out here on the home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.